My name is Gunnar Woodson, and I play in a local Austin band called The Big Gun Show. I created this podcast to sit down with other songwriters, musicians, artists, lovers of music to talk about their top five records that have inspired their lives and musical prowess. Well, this whole COVID pandemic thing is throwing everyone for a loop. Bars are closed, restaurants are closed. The only live music now is live streamed. Service industry workers, musicians, and artists, they just can't work right now. Um, the economy has hit the crapper, and oil prices recently just went negative. In short, our world has been turned all on its head. It's just crazy. I mean, one of my favorite restaurants might be closed, which is Enchiladas y Mas. Hopefully the daughters, Carmen and Eva, will um, buy it back from, I guess, their uncle or their dad and keep it open because that's the best enchilada in the world. Side it with extra crispy hash browns if you really want to take it to the next level. Even more, fried egg on top. Anyway, I have figured out how to do a decent um, podcast remotely, and so I'm going to keep doing it. It took a little figuring out, but I have decided that using Zoom with a dynamic mic and an audio interface is doing the job pretty darn good. Well, tonight, talking to Dave Schur. I met him about six or eight months ago at Seaboys, one of my favorite clubs in town, um, when his girlfriend was rocking the venue with her all-female band called Girl Pack. Uh, I told him about this podcast, and we tried to schedule an episode, uh, but alas, he had to go on tour with Eric Johnson. I guess I can let that slide, right? Anyway, he is a phenomenal guitarist. His main axe is a Strat, and that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I really love how he describes the music that has influenced him as colored, transparent, and believable. Great adjectives. He describes Roy Buchanan's telly as liquid smooth. The tone is wild, wild tone, and it's glassy. <laughs> he talks about listening to Rage Against the Machine on a high school bus, and that makes me realize how old I am. Anyway, let's get to the conversation, but first, close your eyes. You're stranded on a desert island. What five records do you have? All right. Ladies, gentlemen, another episode of my top five records podcast. Today, we've got Dave Schur. And if you don't know who he is, you should. This guy is an epic multi-instrumentalist here based in Austin, Texas. Now, Dave, you, Dave you're there, aren't you? I'm here. Yeah. We're doing this one remote. This is my first remote podcast, and I'm stoked to be doing it with Dave. Congratulations. Um, well, and so, Yes. Thank you very much. No, that it's your first. Not that you're doing it with me. That's nothing I'm proud of. <laughs> but it's that it's your first remote. That's very cool. You know, uh, I was I met Dave at Seaboys uh, probably like six. Uh, let's let's call it six to twelve months ago, and I told him about this podcast that I was doing. He's like, "Hell yeah, I'm in." So yeah. we tried to make it happen. Uh, we couldn't really make it happen for a while because Dave was, um, you know, I mean, it kind of sucks that he had to go on tour with Eric Johnson. <laughs> So, yeah, well, that was a real drag. If, yeah, if, any, if that says anything to anybody about what kind of a guitarist you are, then that's but, all right. I mean, someone has to do it. That's right. So well, was I it fun? I raised my hand. Oh, I, it was a blast, yeah. Yeah? All jokes aside, it was incredible. It was an incredible experience. I was very fortunate to be a part of it, and I did not see it coming. To be awesome. It's just got to be so exciting. And yeah, well, anyway, so let's talk about your records, Dave. 
Yeah, um, sure. I've got them here, and I'm going to list them off for everybody. Jeff Beck Wired. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Epic. Incubus. How, how do you say this? Uh, Incubus. Incubus. Mm-hmm. Um, I just call it science. Uh, yeah. B.B. King Live at Cook County Jail. Roy Buchanan, A Street Called Straight and Rage Against the Machine. Battle of Los Angeles. Yes. Where do you want to start? Well, hold on. Hold on. Before we do this, I always like to, to ask everybody, where are you taking these records? You take them to jail? You take them to Desert Island? You take them to backwoods of Austin to listen to them before you die? What do I do with them? Yeah. Oh, man. I would, uh, I mean, I would take them with me wherever I go, as long as I can play them somewhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I also, uh, another reason for those being in my top five, I like the way they sound as records, as wax. Yep. I agree with that 100%. I believe, and I keep, I say it too much on this podcast that I believe the art of the album has been lost. Yeah, it has been lost before. Some would argue that it's making a comeback. I I am I'm one of those people. Yeah, which is a very cool thing, you know. Uh, I I do, you know. It's and it's not the whole like some people say. Oh, I love getting up in the middle of the, of the album, flipping it over. I'm like, no, no. I want to hear, I want to hear what the artist thought when yeah. they created it. You know, that's right. you know, two first tracks, two last tracks. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, because like what I what I and one of the things I enjoy most about this podcast is talking to other artists, musicians, songwriters about why their top five albums are their top five albums of all times. So let's start off with Jeff Beck. Getting right into it, huh? Getting right into number one. You want to start at five? Top record. Uh, We'll start wherever you want. I like number one. Okay. Um, Well, I mean, Jeff Beck is a, is a uh, guitar God in my eyes. He's always been a hero of mine. And, you know, there are so many, Jimmy Page, Hendrix, Stevie Ray, and all that. But uh, but Jeff Beck definitely had a, vo- a very, in my opinion, a very vocal approach to playing. I would agree with that. As he was, a, you know, a predominantly an instrumental act, or is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw him uh, late last year in uh, in San Antonio. It was pretty amazing. And uh, that record, uh, Wired, is um, just an explosive quartet, is it not? I mean, yeah, this, it, yeah, yeah, a quartet, and um, uh, just head exploding. It's, it's some of the stuff that's going on there doesn't even like if. If you if you start to try and analyze it, your head will explode. But if you don't, <laughs> and you just listen to it, your head will explode. <laughs> it's, it's explosive. It's so intense. Yeah, it's explosive. It's so intense. It's so epic. It's so. Uh, what makes it intense? To me, it's. Uh, I mean, it's to me. It sounds like everything was recorded on ten. The way they. It sounds like the intensity was up, including the, the sound pressure levels the the volume you know it sounds like it was recorded loud and uh and you can hear you know everything another reason why i like jeff beck everything that he does is with his hands he doesn't have a pick 
doesn't use a pick. Sometimes right. he puts this like chalk material on his right hand fingers. I didn't know that. I didn't know That's that. just to get that, that pick attack kind of sound. Yeah. But really what you're hearing besides the strings and the wood and the pickups and the and the amplifier is is what his flesh is doing. It's all finger tone. And uh when you're that loud there's nothing nothing hides it and that's what it sounds like to me the tone he gets is is just so it's him it's jeff you can hear that it's you can hear how human it is i like that and i like what you said earlier about uh he's very vocal in his playing because mm -hmm. like i mean when he plays songs and you know the song it's like especially when he covers them it's yeah. like you you hear the lyrics you hear the melody he nails everything right exactly and he's he's paying attention i mean he's he's listening to records that have pretty amazing guitar parts on it and a vocalist and he's probably listening to the vocalist he's probably listening to everything honestly but yeah, i mean he's the guy the way he plays you you would think that's that's where he drives from when was the first time you heard that album you grew up in austin right i did um but I heard that album for the first time in Dallas because I finished high school. My last two years of high school, I moved to Dallas, moved in with my grandmother and uh, made her pull all her hair out, you know, <laughs> stressed her out with, you know, raising a boy again or raising a boy for the first time, actually, but raising a child again. Uh, but no, we had fun. It was great. And, and I went to a, a great school in, in Dallas, an arts magnet high school downtown. And uh, I'm trying to remember who it was that got me hip to that record. I already loved Jeff Beck. I loved Blow by Blow, that yeah. album. And then someone told me about Wired. I believe it was my friend Jay, who uh, I met in Dallas. Who was a, he was a bit of a fellow that i looked up to a, a bass player still is right and um we played a lot of music together listened to a lot of music together and uh, he taught me a bunch of stuff on the I, guitar no no just uh everything from what records to check out okay you know what gear to check out and uh what to listen for in either one so uh, all of, right it, talk it was, to me what are you listening for I mean, it dep um, depending on what it is. I mean, I guess the most general thing I can bring up is, is that I'm always going to, I'm probably always going to be listening for reality, whether it's transparency or, or something to be organic, you know, yeah. like uh, if I'm, if, uh, if I'm in the market to buy, a piece of equipment, whether it's an instrument like a guitar or parts of a guitar like pickups or something to record with, like a microphone preamp or a microphone, you know, I'm, I'm always listening for truth and transparency and, and how little it colors the source, you know, yeah. our, our voice, you know, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, if you uh, if you listen to like the, the classical station in Austin, the uh, the bat, 
I believe it's been a while for me, but if you, uh, um, you know, someone please correct me, but, uh, or fill me in on who, but, you know, in between pieces, the DJ will be speaking, I believe, into an RE20, Electro Voice RE20. And, and he just, if you've been listening to a, a piece really loud in your car and all of a sudden he goes, that was... Uh, and it'll say it and your speakers will nearly blow because there's so much low end already. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of like, I love the RE20 actually, but that's not something that I'm listening for in the piece of equipment or an instrument. And sometimes in a record, I'm not listening for something to be hyped or colored. I'm listening for something to be transparent and, and real and believable. And especially in a, in a record, I'm, I'm trying to, here to decipher whether I like something or not. I'm trying to, first of all, just recognize how it makes me feel. And, uh, and, but, but I can, you, you say you do like it transparent. I do. Yeah, that's, yeah. I like it transparent. I like it organic. I like it believable. I like that. Believable. <laughs> why? Well, I guess I agree with that. I never thought about it that way. Uh, so but, why, so why, my wife is a Jeff Beck nerd. Really? Yeah. She loves, she loves the blues. And so, you know, there's not, right. the, the thing I hate about Austin is that there's no true blues clubs, right? Mm -hmm. you know, you've got Antones. You used to have, what was it? KC's? TC's? DC's over there on the east side. Yeah. TC's. Now TC's. That, uh, TC's. Now it's Sahara Lounge. Sahara. That's right. Yeah. But, you know, there's, there's no, like I go up to Chicago. I just love going to Chicago just so I can go to blues clubs alone. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, we wow, don't have those. Cool. And no, not anymore. Certainly. No, we don't. Uh, Anton's was probably the, the closest I go. Actually, you know what? Joe's generic was really good. Mm -hmm. Back There's in the a day. Place, uh, uh, up by campus, I believe, uh, called nasties. It's right by that flamingo. That, flamingo. Was that uh, a blues joint? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Or, I mean, it, it was a joint and they had blues and really good blues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. I never knew that. I, when I was going there in college, it was always kind of a hip hop kind of Everclear margarita type deal. Was it? I never knew that. Well, maybe they got, I think know, I'm a little older than you. It may, yeah. So, so then yeah, hip hop and Everclear. That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so wh why wired over blah, blah, blah. Uh, I heard a, I could always hear a band. I could always hear four guys okay. and blow by blow by blow uh to me whether it was uh a live recorded band or not it it sounds there's a production uh essence to it that i certainly don't dislike i love that album but uh but wired there's something about that quartet and the way that the way that those guys are bouncing off each other okay because there's a lot of improv going on obviously i like it i like it yeah no it's it's it the thing one of the many things i love about doing this podcast is that number one it turns me on to new music it makes me listen to new music and so i have to go and listen before every one of these to all everybody's albums right and so mm -hmm. when i and even if I've heard them before, I still go re-listen to them because I always want to just like kind of get back in the groove of them. Yeah. 
but so that was a that was a real joy to listen to. Uh, Very okay, cool. Incubus. <laughs> Hold on, question. So the order you gave them to me in is is that the actual order of the your your ratings or it, I mean because that's if you did that that's incredible. Well, the order I gave you was what was it like five through one? Yes. Yeah. You so, ranked them. I believe so. Yeah. I mean, uh, Wired is uh, my top. Okay. All right. Well, that's what you had. <laughs> that's what you had as number one. That's for sure. But you, you, you enlisted them in descending order, which I really liked. Uh, now I, I like even more. Uh, all right. You want to go up? You want to go down? You want to start at five now or two? I, I'm a bit surprised that Incubus is your second. I'm, I'm not surprised that you're a bit surprised. I'm sure everyone <laughs> who listens would be surprised. Uh, yeah, I know a lot of Incubus haters. But, I didn't uh, say I hated it at all. No, I know, but but uh, I, that was a big that was a big part of my adolescence. Love those, it, love it, because that's the whole thing. I love it when people say, you know, it influenced me at a very young age, and it made me whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Your adolescence. Mm-hmm. What about this album is so amazing to you? Well, I listened for a while to the uh, the more what some people would call the more radio friendly records that they mm-hmm. have. And, uh, and there, there's elements that I like about those, but there was a, there's elements of those that, that I definitely gravitated towards. Uh, but something different about science, which it, it's a similar thing to Wired was the, the intensity and certainly aggression behind the, the performers. Right. And uh, there's a lot of production going on on that record, but it's but it's it's to do. It's like a, a band with a with a DJ mm-hmm. so who's kind of got an arsenal of sounds that he can on the fly manipulate along with the band. You know, so there's not a whole lot of uh, post production, but it kind of sounds like it. And that yeah. was it. And I I don't know. It, that record is just so 90s sounding to me. Yep, for sure, for sure. No doubt. And, uh, I'm into that. I really am. <laughs> that's that, that's completely fine. I mean, I'm just saying it, it's not my thing. Yeah. But, you know, I have not I, I I definitely appreciated listening to it because it was it was definitely something that kind of takes me out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, out of my Keith Richards, I love you right. rock and roll stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I thought uh, I thought that band was uh, in different ways ahead of its time. In what way? Uh, well, of course, I'm the one that feels like that because I'm the one that was that I'm the one that has the feelings when I listen to it, and that those feelings were I've never heard this before. Right. You know. So, yeah. So uh, it wasn't something I've heard before. It was something that, that like, almost sounded futuristic to me or just modern. Okay. At the time. That's fair. That's that's just, that's me. Tell me a story about it. What's your most memorable story about this album or the band? Hmm. That's hard to say. I think uh, it was, what was the name of of that song? Um, anti-gravity 
think it, I think it was called Summer Romance, Hansing okay. Gravity. Uh, that was uh, that song for some reason had a a groove that to it that was uh, really continuous and driving, and uh, for some reason that that song hit me at a time when I was like you know fifteen and sixteen, like uh, driving for the for I was a new driver on the okay. road and. For some reason, I felt that that song just felt good with me on the highway, on the freeway. I don't know why. And I, I don't know how, how to put it into words. I just, for instance, that's a memory that comes to mind is that song resonating with me with the windows down. What freeway? 75. Okay. Central. Yeah, Dallas. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so not really uh, like 35 between Dallas and Waco or Waco and Austin where well, it's about, more free, but something more in the city. Um, how, about, how about 35 in the middle of Austin at 5 p.m.? Ooh, 5 p.m. Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe, that really maybe that would be going. <laughs> yeah, that's when that's when I think everyone should probably like listen to Bill Evans play a ballad. Nick, Nick Drake. Or, or Nick Drake. Yeah, yeah. Some, something to... to mellow make sure everyone's nerves are getting calmed mm. you know and feeling good because you, you can't really feel it. yeah i don't know how else uh, you could feel good in a situation like that who the hell did, designed that freeway <laughs> tell me that because i don't know i'm not sure if i knew i probably wouldn't say it in public so is this is this something <laughs> <laughs> well I, I heard the guy that d designed it actually killed himself because there were so many wrecks and Ooh, deaths wow um, i didn't know that well, so was this high school years for you? Yeah, this was late high school. This was junior and senior year. Okay, when did you start playing guitar? Ten. So okay. What is that? That's uh, something th grade. Was it fifth? Sixteen is younger. Yeah, something like that. I guess f fourteen is going to be eighth grade. I think. Six, seven, eight. Yeah. So, and also, I was, I was like a year ahead of everyone in my class. Okay. Just be, I mean, in age, not in wit. Definitely <laughs> not in wit, but just in age, because I went to kindergarten, and then after that, I went to something called pre-first, because I think I was just a little, not I. I didn't have enough wit to get into first. No, no wit. No. Yeah. Wit. And then after that, went to first. All my kindergarten friends were going into second. So from there on, I was just a year older than everyone else. So 10 years old, I think, I think I was probably, I think, yeah, fifth. I don't know. I'm not going to do the math right now. I told my wife um, of your top five albums, and she gave you a three out of five. <laughs> That's okay. I, this is the first time I've ever asked her that. Um, but, of course, she thinks you're wrong about the B.B. King album you chose. Mm-hmm. But I would like to understand why you chose this specific BB King album. Uh, I listen to it, I and I love live albums, but I also love studio albums and the way that the, the artist created them in the studio. Oh yeah, I like that too. I like both. Uh, that record is just it's it's got one shuffle, and then uh, it's right after the introduction, and then when that shuffles over, it's just 
slow blues from then on out in a jail outdoors mm. and when slow when there's slow blues there's space and uh sometimes sometimes the volume is lower and when the volume is lower there's see i like when you can hear things have been recorded loud you know like mm -hmm. wired but i like when things are you can hear that everyone's playing dynamically you can hear the skin on the head of the drum you know you can hear the sizzle in the cymbals or yeah you can hear maybe the the a string fret out just because the action's a little low on someone's guitar but with that live at cook county jail sometimes it gets so quiet you can hear about uh i don't know probably two miles away four miles away you can hear a the train yeah blowing its whistle in the distance and uh it's a county jail it's not it's not a you know sheriff's office it's not near anything so it's just open nothing and then a train you hear i, right. I love i love that aspect about that record is that you can hear that sometimes coming through it might be one of those records you'd want to listen to on 35 in the middle of austin at 5 p.m <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> calms your nerves well i i will say that bb uh, king does calm my nerves for sure i Good. i i think that I, I i mean as a blues guitarist i love the way he's just kind of a note guy you know mm -hmm. it's like you don't ever really hear him strum chords right and That's so right you know and i think he's a finger picker too uh he is uh he he played with the pick sometimes but you know, Freddie King played with banjo picks. Okay, so now you Speedy. just hit on one of my one of my top five records, which is uh, Freddie King Burglar. Oh, really? Yeah, I like Texas Cannonball and Woman Across the River, and uh, Freddie. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's... Freddie's amazing. Um, yeah, I did BB play with his fingers. That's something I did not know. Actually, it makes I, sense for, for some reason. I think it is because especially that tone that he gets out of out of those notes. You know, yeah, that's what I always hear. Yeah, he can play one note, or he can kind of like if you hear him like fidgeting around with something on stage, like picking up a water bottle or something. But his <laughs> volume, yeah, on his guitar is up. Like you forgot to turn the volume off, so you hear. Mm -hmm. Maybe his finger grab a string. Even that, you know, right. it's BB. It's so it's such a signature sound. Yeah, you know, whether it's his tone three, or his fingers. Yeah, three thirty-five and boom. So, uh, and that's uh, three fifty-five. Is it with that rotary switch down near the near the uh, volume? You know better than I. That's for sure. And the thing that's that makes it a Lucille, one of the things I suppose is there's no F holes. So it's hollow, right. it's semi hollow, but but it's chambered. It's not there's no exit for air to get out, so there's no F holes, it's just sealed. And uh yeah, it's it's a beautiful instrument. But I had a three fifty five for a while and I that's I I'm pretty sure because those pickups are actually left and right. They actually come out stereo. Really? Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you plug I, a regular guitar cable in halfway, it's just the same. 
it's just mono, you know, like a regular guitar. It, wow. It's, it's kind of wild. I have, I, I, I've never even heard of that. Mm-hmm. I'm a novice rookie here, clearly. It's weird stuff. I don't know what the thinking was behind it, but uh, there you go. I think that's actually really cool. It is kind of cool. You could flip between pickups and go between amps that way um, if you wanted to. But, I uh, dig it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty certain because unless it was just a mix between a 335 and a 355 and they called it a Lucille, but a 335 never had what Lucille had, which is that rotary switch that he probably never used. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I have some of this, this, I bought this 52 reissue um, telly and mm-hmm. it came with this like mod- modification on it. It's like, yeah, it gives you more distortion. It does nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I turned the on. I didn't. Anyway, uh, that's that is fascinating about about that guitar. I I never had any idea about that. Um, what? Why? I'm curious. Why does your wife disagree with me on that record? Because she, what's it? Indiana Indianola. Uh, what what's the album that she loves? Um, the one with the 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 guitar that's made of a of a watermelon. On the cover. Yes. I don't know. Is it a studio record? Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure. But that she's probably right. Yeah, but there's... It's there's called some... Indianola, Indianola, Mississippi Seeds. Ooh. Okay, I'm going to check that out. And it's Indiana. got... Uh, let's see here. Let's just go to it. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Nobody yeah. Loves My Mother, You're Still My Woman, uh, Until I'm Dead and Gone, King Special. It's a good one. I I I love it. That's one of her favorite albums ever. So when were you turned on to BB King? Uh, early, early age. Parents? Um, mm, sort of. I mean, they were the they were um, they were the ones that always had uh, Austin City Limits broadcasted on the or on the TV when it right. was broadcasting live, usually two shows. Austin City Limits is how I found out a lot about a lot of different artists. That's how I first found out who Stevie Ray Vaughan was. I'm not That's, sure who he is. Uh, you'll, he's, he's kind of a no uh, name. No name in, in at least in Austin. <laughs> no, uh, that's and that's how I found out actually who Eric Johnson was. Yeah, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Um, quite a few. Joe Ely. I didn't know who he was until Austin State Limits seeing him. Actually, even uh, um, oh, Ray Benson. Mm-hmm. Sleep at the Wheel. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I didn't yeah, know who they were I've, until Austin State Limits. I've <laughs> been in the past couple few years reading a lot of like biographies and, and music books. One of them was Eddie Wilson's uh, Armadillo World Headquarters. And he talks a lot about a little sleep at the wheel and how everything was going down. Then I don't know if you've read it, but it's a great book. Wow. No, I haven't. I should. Yeah. I'm definitely going to listen to Indianola, Mississippi seeds. Yeah. It's yeah. It, I, I, if you don't like it, then come over here and kick my ass. <laughs> we'll have to wait till this whole thing's <laughs> over though. <laughs> I know this lockdown stuff is, is terrible, but <laughs> I, I've, I've pretty much mastered the quarantini. That's, basically what it is is it's tequila in a glass that's what i do that's the quarantini 
that's my quarantini. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Okay. So I like it. Now let's talk about Roy Buchanan. This is somebody that I never listened to, but when I listen to these albums that I've never listened to, I always put on my headphones and I sit down on my couch and I lock the door. I don't want anybody mm -hmm. to interrupt me. I want to listen to the album. And this was really, really cool for me. Cool. So, I'm so happy thank you. That. Thank you yeah. very much. I, I, talk to me about it because uh, I, I want to know where in your life it, you got influenced, why it did this to you and what it does to you now. I had to have been 11, like shortly after getting into guitar. Uh, probably when I was 11, I started um, exploring lead guitar mm -hmm. playing single notes and playing lines and bending the strings and using vibrato and learning how to sing yeah. with the instrument instead of just strum and before that i've always wanted to but i did it just kind of i would strum and i would kind of like think that lead was some kind of thing that i would never be able to do and uh around the time i was 11 my dad showed me this record and i still have the same copy the same vinyl and um, he just, uh, the way he explained it to me was it was, it was uh, this what Roy was uh, a player that, that brought the Telecaster into the public eye in a way that no one's heard before, which I would agree. I mean, if, if I, if I hear, uh, uh, this is these are these are times when I blank on names the most, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, the Titan of the Telecaster here in Austin for um, you. No, what's his name? Um, and someone's going to listen to this and be screaming it at me. Um, looks like Woody Allen, fantastic tele player. Uh, Anyway, yeah, I know he's incredible, and he, um, but he's he sounds like how I think a Telecaster should be sounding like because he's played some rockabilly, played some country, some rock and roll, some it just kind of like he it's it's very quintessential to me the way he plays. I'm gonna so hold on a second, hold on, I've got more questions here. You can do that while I'm talking to you, but sure, so. My question to you is, is what is this essential, the way that a telly should sound? Uh, pulling on the strings with your right hand as opposed to picking them. Like, like pulling them up and letting, letting them go and letting them spank down onto the fret or the pickup and it just makes a punchy down you know that kind of chicken picking thing like that chicken picking thing or hybrid picking thing yeah where like um it's just punchy and because a telecaster is naturally really bright but the punch rounds it out so it's not piercing in my opinion oh titan so yeah you know i mean that's that's kind of my go-to guitars at telly just because i i play rhythm in my band and it's you know bill kirchin that's right uh, okay sorry. i know exactly who he is yes yeah sorry about I can't that. believe you didn't know that yeah see <laughs> everybody's gonna be screaming at you i know uh, Dude, anyway we shouldn't air this 
Sorry, Charlie. I'm in charge now. Uh, anyway, so yeah, the, I, I enjoyed it. So it, it's the telly sound. That's what you loved about it. Is is I mean, what I loved about it. That's sorry. That's what I was saying. Is that uh, Roy kind of showed the Telecaster in a different light, in a way you wouldn't expect to hear it. In, in my opinion, it was it was it was glassy, kind of like glassy who also played a telly, uh, Albert Collins. You know, there was something not so controlled about it. It sounded, it was it was a wild tone he would get. And it was clean. It was clean. And, you know, people will, a lot of guitar players will argue, you know, that clean, a clean tone is nice, but, but a distorted tone hides all your mistakes, you know. And I will get back to that in a moment when we start yeah. talking about your album, uh, oh, there you go. songs, because I, I hear what you're saying right there. Yeah. Thank you. Well, yeah, he, he would play clean and, and for some reason, no stomp boxes or anything like that. He would just play into a silver face deluxe reverb, I believe. And, uh, and turn it up to where there was just a little bit of hair on it but it was mainly a clean sound and for some reason it sounded so liquid smooth like it was distorted and liquid smooth god damn it these are all awesome things <laughs> you're saying <laughs> hope so <laughs> no they are i just love the way it sounds when when roy plays the telly i really do it's it's kind of like jeff beck to me how jeff plays a strat um okay Fair enough. I I completely. So your go-to guitar is a Strat. My go-to guitar is a Strat. Yeah, I I've found that in my experience, I've been able to pull all the sounds that I've needed to and wanted to out of a Strat. And I've tried with the Tele. I have I have two Telecasters, and I think that they're. I get a different sound than I could ever get from a Strat. But uh, I don't know. For some reason, I, I, I don't connect with it in the same way that I do a Strat. That's fair. Uh, so I, I've gravitated towards a Strat as far as, especially because my career has consisted mostly of playing guitar for someone else. So it's, a, it's kind of a Swiss Army knife of guitars. I like it. Uh, my wife feels the same way. She believes that I should play a Strat. And I don't own one yet. So, is that the reason she says is because of the multiple? Yes, sounds? she says. She says it's the ultimate guitar, and she can't play at all, so it doesn't really matter. But you know, she listens to a lot. Of, she loves the blues, so she loves Sounds like, like a really Stevie. Cool wife. <laughs> <laughs> she loves it, but I, I mean, I have a, I have a Les Paul, I have a three thirty five, I have SG, I have Tele, I have multiple acoustic guitars, but. I don't mm -hmm. have a Strat yet, and that's like the next guitar I'm going to get. I just have to get past this COVID stuff so right. I can go out there and find the one I want. Well, talk to me, you know. Okay. I'll help you find one. Uh, awesome. Find me one. I need it. Sure thing. Uh, love it. Okay. So now I love Roy Buchanan, but I think my favorite thing that you have on your agenda is Rage. <laughs> so That's I'm gonna tell you. Favorite I'm gonna tell you right now how I relate to Rage Against the Machine. Please. When I was probably twenty in my late twenties, I was an avid rock climber. I was like 
climbing these, like that's all I thought about was rock climbing. We would go down to Mexico cool. and, and my friends that were younger than me were so enraged against the machine. And I was like, yes. I mean, it, it, it pumps you up. It, I, I remember listening to it back then, but I never got into it. Mm-hmm. And that's my experience with it. And I completely understand, especially with you loving Incubus. I keep saying that wrong. Incubus. That's right. Incubus, right? Oh, incubus. Incubus. Like incubator. Inca- like incubator. Incubator. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I understand how that, how, that, how that came into your top five. But now I want to hear, again, when, why, and where. Mm, I think Rage, was, for me, that, that might have been before driving to school. That might have been on a bus, to be honest. I um, same period as Incubus, yeah. Incubus, Incubus. Sorry, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, kind of the same period. Um, yeah, that I mean, not necessarily um, Battle of Los Angeles. Okay, but uh, the self-titled record. Okay, was, I believe I was on a school bus listening to a Walkman, and uh, and that's that's also when I started to. Uh, this is another nerdy technical thing, but the the phones that were around my head, the wire came down, and before the wire met the Walkman, there was a mm-hmm. little switch on it, and you could switch from stereo to mono. And that, that was the first CD. That was the CD I was listening to, not Battle of Los Angeles, but the self-titled album. I was listening to that CD, switching between mono and stereo and listening to the sounds go from the top of my head to on either side of me with so much width and depth and it was pretty like simply recorded it was just it was just recorded in stereo it wasn't you know so as soon as you hit the mono switch everything was right here and in like against your nose and and it sounded like it was above you it was cool but you hit that stereo switch and it was it was so big yeah so huge everything from the the kick drum to the fuzz bass everything was just like aggressive and meaty and angry everything everything in that band is aggressive oh yeah the the vocals just kill me it's just like like oh yeah screaming at you it's like you're just bouncing yeah he's just like listen to me (laughs) you know (laughs) It's incredible. And, you know, uh, around my birthday this year, actually, in late March, I think on the day, March 27th, my birthday, I think got that day, maybe the day after they played El Paso, or they were supposed to. That's what it was. They were supposed to and obviously didn't. And uh, I, that was like, you know, they, they were saying, uh, uh, Rage is getting back together and they're doing a tour. And obviously... Everyone was like, what? No. <laughs> no way. I remember that being a little secret birthday wish. But I can't imagine it, it happened in late March. Obviously not. But Zach must be 55, 54, something like that. Okay. You know, the singer. He must be. Uh, I wonder if he still got those screams. I don't know. I'm not sure. I would have loved to have heard. 
but that <laughs> album yeah that was the battle of los angeles though because what i was describing earlier was just the first one first time you ever heard it first one no i think that was the first album i think it was the first album the self-titled one but battle of los angeles the first time i heard that uh, i'm trying to remember the first what, time what, what, it, it what? was one of those albums like i guess for you kind of like for, with you i i uh that album i didn't get straight into i got into it later after hearing it uh again mm-hmm. you know um i mean to be honest uh i have a six disc changer in my car and, <laughs> that's old school brother yeah <laughs> and uh and and there are five discs slot there are five disc slots in that player that keep rotating different albums and one since the day i bought the car to test out the system i put rage in i put battle of los angeles in I, it's still in there it hasn't moved and is it's that i play it is that because you can't get it out or because you really <laughs> like it it's because i love it it's because it's, it's your top one of your top five albums come on i love that album dude i really do and it's, so what what makes it so much better than all the other rage albums i don't know about better it's just one of those that just it, okay it was, more favorite yeah i mean when you when you say uh, what well dave what are your top five and i think well one of them is definitely rage which one the one that i've been listening to for the longest probably you know and that's that just because it's and not just not just because it's been in my car this whole time but but that's definitely been a, the most consistently spun record of theirs for me and i and i just i think the song that uh that really made me feel like oh, okay that's the one that's the that's the record that's the rage record for me was uh broken man built like a broke born of a broken man okay it's it's dark i mean it starts out with a with a piano of all things yes really really compressed like lo-fi sounding piano and then it just you know just turns into this heavy riff groove it's uh i mean they uh, of course rage a lot of rage is like that but that's a sound yeah no agreed i mean they are an amazing and killer band there's there's no doubt about it there's no doubt legendary if you ask me yeah yeah you know it's like it they have a niche that you know i mean i i can't think of other bands that are like them i i might throw in like 311 for a second there Mm -hmm. Um, i get it yeah but um you know that kind of like political um hardcore statement yes it's just like with the loud distorted guitars and and you know that's that's like i I don't get into really heavy metal but i understand the whole kind of yeah the attitude i i I get it but it's just it's just really not my thing i hear you okay it's not entirely my thing either but there's something about it that you get drawn to uh, yeah, I've never really been drawn to it, but that's okay because okay. It, it, it's you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's not cool because I think that a lot of people think it's cool and I can't right. argue with that. No, I hear you. I don't I don't like to judge. Anyway, okay, so now I want to talk to you about you. Okay, Doctor Sure. Um, tell me about 
Uh, uh, by the way, okay, so I've listened to your album probably probably like five or six times. Wow. Yeah. No, I that's don't you think that's enough? uh, Yeah, I I do. (laughs) But bottom line is is that I I I think it's freaking awesome. Again, we we can we can go back to the whole um uh you know strat sound and all of that, Mm -hmm. but you know it's it's called porch song right uh porch talk porch talk okay yeah. well um the hardest part i mean i every time i hear that song i'm like ah I fucking love that that is such and I, I don't know if that was your your key single or if, if that's what, what is your favorite song on the album that you wrote Ooh, uh i think my favorite might be paper doll okay that one was uh that one was believable for me, I think. And I don't mean like the song and, and how it was written and what it's about. I just mean the, the way it came out on the record, you know? So, okay. Like I, I'm, I, a sound, I'm a sounds guy. I'm not really a lyrics guy. I can, are you, I do you consider yourself a songwriter? Uh, I guess technically, yeah. I mean, I can do it. I can write a song. I don't know if it's a good one, but it I I I consider myself an arranger. Arranger, okay. Yeah, more so because I I speak that language so much better, in my opinion, than I do literature. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I during this whole interview, I'm always I'm I've been searching for words left and right, you know. Right? Oh, the, the, they're okay, fucking they're great. Trash. Are you kidding me? It's it, <laughs> transparent, glassy, wild tone. This is all the things I'm hearing. Oh, I couldn't think of any better words. That's why hey, I used it. But you're killing it, dude. You're doing great. <laughs> Thank you, sir. But no, no but I, I just understand sounds more than I do how to, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, show people you, what I mean with words, but I can write a song. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't consider you, you, uh, an instrumentalist arranger, not really. Sorry. I, I get it. Yeah. I, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, the hardest part, that whole cannonball part is just like, boom, it, it, it kills me every time. It's so be proud. That. You, that is a awesome song. Thank you, sir. Thank you very yeah. much. I like it too. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So now, can you tell me about what you're doing today other than staying at home? Because we do have this Corona 19 virus, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. lockdown. I'm over here drinking my, my tequila quarantinis. <laughs> just straight tequila? Well, really, it's just tequila. Why water it down? In why a glass, water it down? yeah. Yeah. Which is the same thing. <laughs> yes, it's a quarantini. Um, so, I mean, do you have any dates scheduled? Because I know that my band doesn't have any dates scheduled other than our, our monthly residency at Jenny's Little Longhorn. Mm-hmm. So what do, you, what do you do about that residency? Do you continue it as a live stream? Uh, I'm actually doing a live stream on this Friday, which will be previous to when uh, this releases, which is going to be in like two weeks. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's, but no, you know, I mean, other than that, we, we play the first Friday of every month there and we do this happy hour deal and it's fun because we're a rock and roll band, but we play there so much that we have this whole honky tonk set. So we're cutting a new album for pressing on vinyl, of course. Right. Nice. Yeah. Good deal. Plus push, uh, put it down the first side. It's all super overdone honky tonk, flip it over rock and roll. Yeah. So just like, just super I concept. 
Oh yeah, it did. It's all the songs keep getting better. And then in this quarantine sessions, I've been, I like to call them the quarantine sessions. I've been writing, you know, a lot more music. So I've got like another like five, seven songs that I'm ready to try to introduce. Anyway, um, tell me or tell everybody out there where they can find you online. Do you have Facebook? Do you have Instagram, YouTube? Do you do blogs, your website? What, talk to me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on those. I'm on social media. You Can you know, give me I, handles so that everybody knows? Can I? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on facebook.com slash tape share music. And, uh, same for Instagram. No, Instagram is something else. Uh, <laughs> if, if you would like to follow me on Instagram, but only if you would like, you just, my handle is, is Dave. If you like, uh, you, you know what? You're correct about that. Yeah. So, so my whole uh, uh, campaign is just a suggestion. If you, you know, like, if you want to, it's fine. If you like, I'm and then your down your throat. You know? Your your website is what? And please spell out your last name because a lot of people will not know how to spell it. That's okay. Uh, it's it's DaveShare.com, and that's Dave T A V E Share S c h e r so uh, how do you spell calm i don't know but uh, <laughs> it's in there somewhere but basically just take the s from sunny and mm. then after that just put share oh look at that right after it that's the best way i can explain how to see how to that, spell it. that does work that works great um okay so here's the worst part about doing these remote podcasts Typically what I do is I have people here. I have this 10 by 20 structure, which is my studio here. This is where my band practices. Mm -hmm. We sit at my couch and I have a conversation. I record it. And then I ask them to, I have a, a table that I built in 1992. Mm -hmm. um, that was probably when you were here. 92. I must've been six. There you go. Right. Anyway, I, I built it in college in 1992 and I started carving name. We started card, carving names into it because we needed a, a coffee table. And mm -hmm. so what happens now is that when we finish the episode, I always say, will you please carve your name into my table? And then I use that as the episode image of each podcast. Nice. So how are you going to do that now? Uh, I'm gonna, I, I've carved in something that says top five. But if okay. you want to carve something in to something and send it to me in a square image, then I will use that as the episode image. Oh, cool. Carve something into a, a thing it, that I can it, send. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just take a picture of it. That's all I need. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. Take a picture of go. it and then I can use that because that, the, the idea is that everybody that would come over here would, would carve their name in the table. Right. And it's cool that. because now like Kelly Green and, uh, you know, Patrice Pike and yeah. Rosie Flores and Jeff Blingham, they all, they, Jeff didn't come over here, but you know, so I have to use the top five for him, but sure. yeah. So okay. if you, if you want to do that, go I ahead and do that. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I have a whole set of, of wood carving tools now so that people can do it. But anyway, well, I might do it into a piece of cardboard to be honest, <laughs> man, dude, dude, you know what? I, I don't really care. All I really want is that I want some, cause I, I like to have the people that are on, on the podcast to be creative in what they do. And so, you know, they, they can creatively carve into my table, but if you have a funny thing that you want to do for that, then just send it over. Let's make it Very happen. Cool. 
All right. Hey, Dave, thanks so much for uh, doing this with me today. Uh, it was incredible hearing your insight on the the albums or excuse me, the records that you have enjoyed over your life and have made a, a, a huge difference and in inspiration. So I appreciate that. Thanks. Keep a lot, on doing man. what you're doing, brother, because Thank because you. thanks for having stop. Me. Yeah. Anytime, brother. Awesome. I will talk to you very soon, my man. Yeah, man. When this is all over, come out to a show. For, are you kidding me? Yeah, dude. All right. So that was Dave Schur. He definitely is a mellow and insightful guy. I listened to JT Van Zant's podcast, Drifting, um, and they definitely have some similar vibes. Well, if you want to check out Dave online, you can go to daveschur.com. He describes spelling his last name as Sonny and Cher. It's Sonny, like the S, and then Cher. So it's S-C-H-E-R. DaveSure.com. On Facebook, his handle is DaveSureMusic and Instagram handle of Dave if you like. If you got the gumption, head over to TheBigGunShow.com. Check out what my band is up to these days. You can also catch us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all with the handle of The Big Gun Show Band. That's The Big Gun Show Band. Um, our most consistent gig, um, after all the COVID stuff is done, is going to be our monthly residency at the Little Longhorn Saloon here in Austin, Texas, home of chick- Chicken Shit Bingo. And we play the happy hour on the first Friday of every month. Bring Grandma, she'll have a blast. I'll be back in two weeks, and then every other week after that, close your eyes. You're back on that desert island again. What five records do you have? Until next time.